All right, everyone. This is uh, Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single, podcaster and a writer. I have a newsletter, jessesingle.substack.com, and I, I host another podcast that we actually just recorded, uh, Blocked Reported, with Katie Herzog. Uh, she's the worst, but you know, sometimes you got to work with people you don't respect. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, I don't have that much of a spiel today. It's really going to be more about taking whatever questions and comments or criticisms you have. I'm going to give over most of the show to you, assuming there's an appetite for that. I did, I did tweet about how I experienced, I think for the first time ever on Twitter, someone, uh, I shouldn't laugh. This is very dark, but like basically someone publicly fantasizing about raping me, which was very weird as a male to experience that. I know it's something uh, a lot of women who have a platform have to deal with, but this had to do with my work on uh, trans stuff, of course. This was a trans person going into some lurid detail about uh, basically raping me. There was like a thin veneer of, of me wanting it, but it was it was very weird, and it was like a violation and uh, I, I am a little bit curious for people's feedback. I'm like, I think like a lot of people, I, I do sometimes fall into the quicksand with regard to online bullshit, and I don't always know the right way to handle it, and I sometimes get in fights with people. I think there's maybe a benefit to highlighting how insane this stuff gets and the way it escalates over time with like the, you know, the, some death threats, a lot of like kill yourself, a lot of like crazy rumor spreading. Um you know, I'm of two minds about it because I obviously do bring it up and talk about it sometimes. I'm also leery of like trying to be like the center of a story when what I prefer to do is like journalism and stuff like this. So very open to feedback on that front on how that comes across. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, they can um, check the check my Twitter feed. Um, there were a few people in here who yesterday – promised to bump to the front if they had any questions. I'm trying to see if they're here. Um, so yeah, I'm open to talk about that, open to talking about whatever else. Uh, one other small point I wanted to make, because this just came up again, is I really wish people, uh, not just with the trans conversation, but with like the bullying conversation, would be more careful about how they talk about youth suicide. This is sort of like a ubiquitous subject. And researchers believe there's some element of like contagion, which doesn't mean that a perfectly healthy kid is going to be like exposed to the concept of suicide and suddenly take their own life. But it does mean that kids are who are in like slightly dangerous spaces or facing mental health problems. It, it likely makes the situation more dangerous to them when people glamorize suicide or when they overestimate its prevalence or when they treat it as a heroic act if you just Google um, suicide reporting guidelines, you'll see that the experts have have put out suggestions for how journalists should talk about suicide. And I just I see those journalists these guidelines violated constantly. I just highlighted an example today on Twitter. Um, so I just I sort of wish this stuff was more widely known because it it worries me that people trying to do the right thing because obviously nobody wants teens to kill themselves, but it worries me that people trying to do the right thing are increasing the danger of teenagers by glamorizing it, by romanticizing it, uh, and by even just by claiming that this is a very, very common thing when luckily it isn't. So that's just a small rant I want to get off my chest. Let's go to Ned. What is up, Ned? Whoop. Hey, Jesse. Hello. How's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah. 
Good. Um, thanks for everything you do. Big fan. This is the first time we chatted, but I, I would just, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about, obviously this is all counterfactual, but maybe to answer your, the questions you were uh, leading off this call with, if you would put the same article out in the Atlantic, your famous article out in the summer of 2018, and then conducted yourself online in exactly the same way that you have, except that you never responded to these cluster B types. How different do you think things would go for you? How how much less or more popular do you think Blockchain Reporter would be? How much diff- how much more different would the life of Jesse Single be as both a journalist in terms of your success and then also in terms of your mental health? How different do you think <laughs> it would be? I would be the mayor of New York City living in, in Gracie Mansion. Uh, that's a really di- – I've thought about that. Um, I would definitely have less of a platform on my newsletter and block reported. I know that because when this shit gets really bad, we get new subscribers, frankly. People like the drama. I think interacting with the cluster B types has probably not done me any favors in terms of being able to write. Well, I mean, I can write for mainstream outlets still, but it probably has exacerbated like the rumor spreading and the attempts to sort of do professional damage to me behind the scenes just because like when you – Anyone who has had the experience of trying to interact with a cluster B, sorry, I shouldn't be like diagnosing people as mentally ill without knowing them, but there are certain people who are very broken. And when you interact with them, you will realize there is no winning. And the only logical thing to do is walk away. But I think you get sucked into it when they're trying to like lie about you publicly or hurt you behind the scenes. It gets really intense. And I, I think those are the folks I should have walked away from. That being said, I will say one regret of the, Atlantic article was um, I was discouraged from responding to the initial first wave of like vitriol about it. Like even just this might've been my fault for not um, pushing back, but uh, even just correcting the record about some false claims made about the article that I think I could have knocked down pretty quickly. I was encouraged not to because like old school mainstream journalism institutions don't like when you're fighting on Twitter for understandable reasons. So um, I think by the fact that this answer is rambling, you can see this is complicated. There's a few different issues. There's like, do you respond to misinformation? Do you get in one-on-one fights with Twitter personalities, which I shouldn't do? And um, do you do you benefit from these fights, which I definitely do in some parts of my career? Does that make sense? Did I answer your question? It does. It's just these are enormously complicated things. Yeah. And I just, I think you've handled it in such a good faith way. I would like to, I, I do think that the, especially like the way Katie basically said, listen, I've raised literally tens of thousands of dollars will go to whatever charity. If you can just come up with something here, any evidence, the fact that nobody could come up with anything. I think that, I think that was one of the this most was, powerful. Yeah. This was Brianna Wu, who's a so. game developer who said that, uh, claimed to have the dirt on me. And I was, it was, that was like the slowest softball pitch ever that you could just knock out of the park. Cause everyone was like, okay, you have the dirt, show the dirt. So it's also, it's like viscerally, it stabs at your soul a little bit to see people not just disagree with you, but literally try to start like would be me too rumors, which has also happened with like the claims that I'm like DMing people when I'm not, I'm a nerd. I wouldn't DM someone. So I think people can probably hear from my voice, how I get frustrated and uh, sucked into those fights. But that's a, that's a good question, Ned. And I, I obviously going forward, hopefully my platform will continue to grow and I need to be more thoughtful about what relationship I should have with Twitter. Uh, probably none, but I sort of, it does make me money and pay the bills. So thank you for the uh, call, Ned. Of course, man. I'll get out of the way, but uh, thanks for all the work you do, man. Have a good Appreciate one. Appreciate it. Jane Kay, what is up? Hey, Jesse. Hope you're well today. I'm so sorry to hear that people were 
threatening to rape you in ways that sound like really upsetting. <laughs> I don't know um, why I keep laughing at it. It's just, I mean, it, well, yeah. Anyway, I appreciate that. You laugh for, I guess, cause you cry otherwise, but um, yes, women do come across that a lot. Um, and, and before I kind of say, I guess what the meat and potatoes of what I wanted to say is I, I happen to think that you're really reasonable online. Um, and I'm, I follow you a lot and I've, I mean, I follow your Twitter and I listen to your blocked and reported. And I, if I can catch this, I, I do. I, I, the reason I do follow you um, and it, and I'm sure you didn't set up a love hour, but um, if it turns into that, I guess that's good for you. But the reason I do follow you is because I pay for your sub stack and I pay for blocked and reported because I do think that you're very reasonable um, and you try very hard and strive um, to really find a reasoned middle ground you should hear some of the things that I sometimes type and then Twitter goes, do you really want to say that? And then I have to kind of like edit it. But <laughs> right. I try to be I try to be thoughtful when I use my Twitter account as well. I'm a, a small potatoes Twitter user. Katie Herzog blocked me, though. So this woman now has something in common with James. Oh, she's a monster. And reported. Yeah. You want to know who else she's got something in common now with Hannah Nicole Jones and James Lindsay and who else blocked me? Um, and I don't think I'm that bad a Twitter user. Um, oh, Sonny Hawson, I think. And I was like, what? Um, so that kind of upset me. I, I thought, oh, uh, this is a woman that I respect and like. Um, I don't know what I said. I mean, I might have argued with something, but I think it was I think it was about, um, you know, not and I don't want you to talk about this or comment on pronoun usage necessarily, but why some people feel. I guess, like, if I had to have any criticism, sometimes I feel like you guys almost use the pronoun to show you're being nice, and whereas I think you're both wordsmiths and you could be linguistically more creative. But, but that's a, te- a separate conversation. That's the only tweet I think I could have. Well, you should. I would just send her an email. I've had people email me asking to be unblocked, and I can't. Often I can't remember why they blocked them because if people are being obnoxious during a moment of strife, I will sometimes just block them just to to not go crazy. So that well, would be else- my. Oh, well, yeah, I would. But somebody else suggests that maybe some of these bigger Twitter accounts have like some sort of there's blockchain. I don't know. Maybe they automatically block a bunch of people, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. Katie does that. I would just send her an email. I think she's uh, I mean, we oh. all know she's a monster, but I think she can be reasonable from time to time. Oh, I'm good. That's fine. I don't need to do that. But anyway, I am really sorry that you were having those those issues. And, um, you know, chin up because I think you've got a, a number of pretty good fans. Thank you, Jane. I appreciate don't that. don't think you're like that. Mm-hmm. KW. How's it going? KW, got to unmute yourself. Otherwise, I'll go to the... uh... Oh, there we go. How's it going? Perfect. Okay. I actually meant to call in to yesterday's uh, about the Substack stuff, but I was at work. So whatever, I'm calling in today. This was... uh, Did you read Ethan Strauss's latest... I need to. This is about the group chat, right? Everyone's been recommending it. I just haven't had a chance yet. Uh, Myself included, because that's more or less what I've been doing over the past year. It was a great article. Its basic premise is that public-facing social media, Twitter, Facebook, etc., has become so incredibly fraught, so uh, ripe with cancellation attempts and dogpiling that people are just retreating from it and just digging up this old decade-old group chat function instead and just airing out all their true preferences there instead with other frustrated people as well. And 
man, did that article speak to me? Because that's more or less what I've been doing uh, with all of this stuff over the past. Do you, do you think that it, it, it's? Um, I need to read the article, but I, I agree. Do you think it's like sort of normies who don't feel like have being um, accused of of whatever online and who don't want to take part in the warfare are the ones retreating to the group chats? I think so. It's partly normies. It's also people who are aware of all the crazy online dynamics and just don't want to be part of it. Uh, I include myself in that. Uh, look, I'll admit it. I suffer from depression, I, anxiety. So a lot of this stuff, especially the craziest woke people, it, it, it does a number on my mental health. So I have I'm sorry to hear that. I don't blame. Online is not a good situation if you're. Um, it's it, it's scary, legitimately, because that feeling of people going after you and and trying to hurt you is very surprisingly real. Given that these are just like you know online avatars. I I don't know how you do it, man. I mean the, I mean I know it's just some weird rando talk about wanting to rape you or whatever, but I'm sure you've gotten stuff like that from even bigger name blue checks and. I don't know how you handle it, man. There, there's no way I could. I, I would just. Well, I think you, yeah. I think you get used to it, and you see it as part of your job. And, um, you know, it, I, I am able to parlay some of it into a bigger platform. So I appreciate that. I'm just saying, I think it's different if, like, if you're a journalist and you see it as part of your job. I, I can't imagine the impact it would have on someone who just wants to talk about politics, like with other normal people. So yeah. yeah it was. Uh... In, now, in Strauss's article, he mentions there was this New York Times piece that said it was something like, we talked to eight conservative men about how they feel. I didn't read it. I don't have a New York Times subscription anymore. But, you know, it, I'm sure it prompted the same old uh, cries of, like, don't fight for me, people. Like, you yeah, know, there was a lot of that on, on Twitter, unfortunately. I'm sure there was. But, and, you know, it's. I'm in, I'm in a group chat of internet people. I, I won't say where. And I'm also part of a group chat with just my normie friends. And, you know, the, the thing that's been sort of gnawing at me over the past few years, you know, I, I obviously don't like Trump. I didn't vote for him either time. I, I'm glad he's gone, at least for now. But when he said that, oh, that's locker room talk, uh, I thought, well, where's the lie? Of course, there, of course, there's locker room talk. Right. Of course, people have it. Of course, people have spaces like group chats and barber shops and and places like that. Like, uh, who are we kidding? Yeah. They need stuff like this where they can air out their un PC opinions because Jesus, public social media is just so goddamn awful. I I don't know what to. I don't know how to manage it anymore. Quite frankly. Yeah. Well, thank you for the call. I'm definitely going to read Ethan's article after this. And I think, I do think one of the dynamics is that as more and more normal people flee these spaces, you're left with the crazies. But, uh, yeah, hang in there, KW. I hope, I hope the, uh, the group chat gives you an outlet. It sure does. Uh, I'm going to Patrick now. Immorton, I'm warning you that I'm going to skip over you because the two people after you, I both told them yesterday I'd bump them in the front because I had to do a shorter one than usual. So you're going to be waiting a little longer, but I'll get to you after Andrew and Joshua. Patrick, go ahead. Hey, Jesse. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. How's it going? Going pretty well. Uh, getting ready for an Easter weekend. Nice. Uh, playing Elden Ring. So uh, 
I guess I, I wanted to check and see. Uh, so have I think Matt uh, Tybee's been sh- uh, spreading it around a little bit, and it connects to some uh, thing that uh, Iglesias posted about Timo Kuhn again. But have you seen like the National like English Teachers Association put out some weird statement about like uh, focusing on like media new forms of literacy? I have not. Um, no, what, what's meant by new forms of literacy? So basically, they want to decenter uh, uh, written wo- the written word and reading. So the reason this is an I association of that, English teachers. Yep, they want to decenter reading. Yep. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's just kind of my thing about like uh, kind of how like there was the talk about how what things like staying on college campus, going out. What I think we're starting to see now is like things that were kind of in like teachers' trainings. Uh, that would be like, okay, well, that's just like a certain nonprofit sector. If they don't want to have objective standards or any kind of goals, like their projects will fail. But you kind of see it like leaching out into areas such as education, where given how bad school public education is right now due to pandemic and various other things, anything that's coming along that's just feels like it's going to hobble it just seems very bad. Seems like a very bad idea. Yeah. Uh, I will check that out. Although it's just going to make me mad and make me tweet more. But um, yeah, that sounds pretty not good. Yeah, it's buried pretty deep in towards the middle where you start to see it. But it's very not great. Uh, Typey's already getting into it on people. So might be something that uh, is reserved for the back channel to complain there about. You go. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Thanks for letting me know about that. Uh, Andrew, what is up? Hey, Jesse, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I just wanted to let you know uh, I read the first couple chapters of that Manhunt novel, and you're, you're definitely in the right for uh, thinking that you're standing up against insane people. So This is the one where she kills bad. the turfs, but, but it's justified because the turfs are trying to kill her? Uh, no, it opens up. The turfs are just standing there, and then she just shoots one of them or attempts to shoot one in the face with an arrow. It hits a different turf in the shoulder, and then they all go after her, and then she's like, well, why would they even do this? This is ridiculous. Jesus. They just hate trans people. <laughs> that seems pretty dark. There's a lot of, yeah, no comment. I don't think I'll be reading that is, is okay. the point. <laughs> it, it's, it's, if you can get yourself to the right mindset, it's really funny. But, <laughs> gotcha. Um, <laughs> I, I understand why it might not be uh, a mindset that's uh, easy to come by. Yeah. Uh, Anything else, Andrew, or did you just want to let me know about Manhunt? I just wanted to let you know it's uh, you're 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 definitely uh, on the side of the the of the angels people. as always. <laughs> thanks, yes. thanks, Andrew. All Joshua, right. what is up? Well, well, well. If it isn't the infamous neo-Nazi groomer Jesse Singal, that's me. That's me. Uh, first and foremost, hug some hug some to everyone who is a member of the tribe who is listening. Exactly. Um, a couple of things. Uh, I think number one, and, and sorry for the background noise here. I caught you uh, episode while I'm driving to uh, the Seder, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm very interested with this article that you dropped with Chris Rufo. Uh, first off, it's always fascinating to see you two interact, but this seems like a significant article that did not get nearly the amount of traction that it should have, especially considering the amount of media that Chris is driving in turn. And I'm just, I'm wondering, number one, have you considered dropping the paywall or at least pushing it out there further? Because 
Chris is definitely pushing this narrative, and it seems like it's a little bit of a disingenuous narrative. Yeah, the um, the narrative in question is Chris Rufo relied on this 2004 review um, a researcher conducted for the Department of Education about the number of K through 12 students who were uh, sexually harassed or abused by teacher, adult teachers or administrators. And uh, he's, uh, it's hard to know. I don't quite get it. I think he's basically trying to argue that this is an overlooked thing, that grooming in schools is a big deal because this would justify some of his anti-CRT. It, it, it just seems like he's trying to stoke a new moral panic about child abusers in schools, which is not something anyone's in favor of. Um, I consider dropping the paywall. I also found out Jonathan Chait was working on an article about it. I haven't read his yet either because I'm just behind on freaking everything. John Chait has an article in New York Magazine um, about his attempts to stoke a culture war panic about teachers. I'm going to read that. Maybe I think Chait probably makes the points I would have made or because I didn't get into all of it in my article. So um, I think in the future I'm going to drop paywall sometimes if I if I'm just like I really think people should read this but uh I try to do it sparingly and my piece was not actually like a comprehensive debunking of the baseline estimates it was more on this niche question of whether uh there's more abuse in public schools uh, you know per 100,000 or whatever than the Catholic Church and Rufo passed along a very credulous Comparison suggesting schools are worse that I, I think is just based on a real bad misreading of the um, the research in question. So yeah, that that's sort of where I'm at on that. But it's it's an important it's an important sticking point, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, he Chris isn't advocating for the removal of the Catholic Church. There's other institutions too that it's known that they have systemic uh, problems with sexual abuse, like the military, for example. Uh, and yet, he's not condemning the military either, and their kind of uh, lack of ability to refine. So, I, I mean, he's obviously playing a game here, where you know, like, you don't want to be someone who's standing against child right. abuse, but it's just it's dangerous yeah. because, like, that that's a pretty big deal to accuse schools of having some big unreported problem with child abusers and of course given that there are millions and millions of students there's going to be some cases i i just i i think maybe people gave him too much credit because he um the worst dei trainings it's it's very low-hanging fruit anyone can see that they're crazy and i i think he's done a little bit of good exposing that you know when state employees have to go through these crazy cultish trainings but I, I don't think that makes him a good or honest guy otherwise. And I, I, this, I, I don't think it's good to like mess around with uh, sex-oriented moral panics. And um, I'm going to read Shade's piece and maybe do a little bit more on this. But I don't think Rufo has acquitted himself well, uh, is, is the short version. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's the main thing. Uh, the only other thing was, uh, and, and maybe I missed it, but were you going to talk about this whole haze controversy and uh this one person who everyone's uh toppling it, it, it seems like a fascinating story but i'm terrified to dig into it myself what's the hayes story didn't you allude to um lindo so, someone named lindo and I, I i started to look into it a little bit uh about lindo, lindo she, bacon lindo. yeah oh healthy yeah. at every side hayes i thought you were saying like hayes like chris hayes i was like what scandal did i miss um yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the on the premium version of the podcast. There was a crazy pile on <laughs> against Lindo Bacon, who is, uh, is a major health at every size figure. They wrote the book on it, and just just a 
deranged pile on. Um, just uh, it's hard to even describe. So yeah, subscribe to Premium Block to Important is all I'll say on that. Okay, sounds like I got it. Uh, have a great weekend. <laughs> Thanks, you Thanks too. you too. Have some more on What is up? Sorry for the delay. I'm unmuting. Can you hear me? I can. How's it going? It's going okay. So in response to your your question about your um your open your open inbox for advice on the do I engage with these people from yeah. I would actually say just like as somebody who is purely a Twitter lurker, um I think there is something to engaging with people who make false accusations. So Amy Chua, for instance, had her family advise her when there were all those accusations leveled at her for having underage drinking parties at Yale, right? Yeah. Uh, she went out there and got ahead of that and was like, okay, here's what freaking happened. And you've done that a couple of times with these, you know, these weird, ominous rumors people try to start about DMs you've sent them. I think those situations are very good to get ahead of because the audience out there for Twitter and for journalism in general is very hand-wringy. And when they sense that someone is, you know, not addressing something because they might have done, there, there might have been a misdeed that they're covering up, they can convince themselves to distance themselves from that person. Um, so I think it's worthwhile when there's a specific accusation. But beyond that, when you've got uh, wacky people just engaging you, threats, these idle threats that are the easiest idle threats to send in the, in the world. Like we used to actually, it used to be a badge of honor if a journalist got a death yeah. threat in the mail. And now it's so easy to send one. It really just like, cheapens the whole thing. Like the, there used to be an, really to be an art it's to crafting so death threats. Come on. It's, really, it's like you didn't even care enough to like find out my address and mail me a postcard with cutout yeah. letters. So I, I think when it comes to those people, it's, just, it's literally not worth even slightly engaging with them. Um, though, again, one thing that, that's been great is when people have just bad takes on stuff. I definitely appreciate that as an audience member when you take them down, because sometimes, I don't know, those of us who are not, those of us who are not engaged in uh, the vivisection of bad ideas, right. As a vocation, <laughs> sometimes we'll, we'll, that's a very um, uh, highfalutin way of describing <laughs> what I do. And I appreciate it. That's one of the things you do. It's only one of the things you do, but it's something you do incredibly well. And for us, we'll see something on there and we'll think, God, that's a bad take. I can't put my finger on why it's a bad take. You are very good at putting your finger on exactly why it's a Thank bad you. take. So that's something else that I definitely appreciate. But and just to just to follow up on what KW was saying, uh, yeah, the group chat. It's fascinating. When I saw that article come up, uh, the House of Strauss article, it freaked me out a little bit because I had been. This is something that I felt like I don't think I would have written the article as well as him. But I, if I had to write an article and somebody was like, "I want you to write, give me your." top five takes on the internet right now. One of them would be the difference between public and private forums is there's a sharp contrast now into which of them is more desirable. And I have several WhatsApp conversations going on with people um, that are that kind of commiseration. My groups aren't as big. They're usually one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm having conversations with people that I would never have in public. And I would certainly never have them in a, in a public forum. And it's made me realize that there is a side of social media that I actually very much like. And furthermore, that that the public side of social media has become so performative uh, that it's 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 worthless, largely. The, yeah, the only increasingly worth, so. 
It is. It really is. And there are very few people. What interests me about it, too, is that people love the Internet so much in social media. Well, you know, theoretically, they love it. Or one of the things that you're supposed to love about it is that there's no gatekeeping. But there really is a certain kind of gatekeeping that's creeping in because so many people have been given this opportunity to have the entire world as their forum. And it turns out not many people are good at using that in an interesting way. And it's interesting how the people that I would want to listen to, the people whose ideas are thoughtful, nuanced, engaging, challenging, those people, I can can count, not on just two hands, I would need more than two hands. But I would run out, like, I wouldn't need an infinite number of arms, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's really not that many people who use this form in an effective way. And it is reaching a point where it's going to become less worthwhile to look at. Um, and I think that's a great thing. I think that the boredom of the Internet, of public Internet use and public social media, I should be more specific, public social media, uh, that's something that's going to help a lot when when everyone, absolutely everyone is not convinced that this is the central forum of our society, because there is going to be a point where we realize it's a bathroom wall that scrolls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, I think that was a good mini rant about the state of things, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. And, that's, and I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Have appreciate a great weekend. Morning. You too. All right, Patrick. One One more bite at the apple, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for giving me uh, the last bite. Uh, this will be quick, I promise. Uh, so uh, have you seen the advertisement for the, I'm assuming, gay Democrat who's uh, running against uh, Lauren Brobert? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, do yourself a favor and Google it. Uh, it is truly a sight to behold and maybe the most uh, batshit, horrifying <laughs> like enticing thing that I've ever seen where I've seen a lot of bad political uh, like as in my day, like from like craven grossness to just like uh, what the fuckery. And this is definitely the king of what the fuckery that I've seen. Oh, interesting. Well, that, that'll give me something to do this weekend. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> Thanks Patrick. Thank you everyone for listening. As always, I would just ask you to spread the word about the show. If you like it, uh, there's been a nice little, increase in listeners lately i think part of that was just um you know the platform opening up to android but there's been a notable uptick lately uh so i appreciate you guys telling other people and i'll be back next week and i hope you all have a good weekend and that uh everyone's religious festivities whatever the denomination go well uh thank you guys very much bye